Praise God. Let's have a word of prayer. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, dear Lord, for your presence. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. Father, we know we don't deserve it. We don't deserve your grace and your love. At this time, dear Lord, I pray you guard my lips and guard my mouth. Dear Lord, you know the hearts of every person here. You know their needs. And dear Father, we pray thy spirit will deal with every heart. Let the words that come up from me, Lord, will be a reproof and correction for all of us, dear Lord. Because, dear Lord, all we want is to love you and to have fellowship with you. And God, without your presence, without your fellowship, we are nothing, dear Lord. We don't want to play church, oh God. We want to love you and to be intimate with you. Thanks. So, dear Lord, bless this service. Yes, Father. Bless all of us, O oh God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. A brief background of my history. I came to the Lord August 19, 1960. That's more than 57 years now I've been with the Lord. I came to the Lord when I was 18 years old. Two weeks after my 18th birthday, I never looked for God. I had a good time. But I don't think I have time to tell all the whole of my testimony. But God, praise God for the scripture that says, the Son of Man came to seek and find and to save that which was lost. I didn't know I was lost. I was having a good time in the world. I had money to spend. I had lots of friends. I was doing the things that I wanted to do. And I came to the Lord in a wonderful, wonderful way. But anyway, I will not tell my testimony because it's Jesus that is important, not me. And what I want to know, what I want to let you know since I came to the Lord, God had a calling for me. And it came from the book of Isaiah 58.1. And that was after almost 20 years I departed away from God. I had a wonderful salvation. But after a few years when I was really on fire for God, I went back to the world. I got into gambling, got into drinking. I neglected my wife for almost 20 years. She's there. She can bear testimony to, to me. Almost every day I would be at the casino gambling away. I neglected God and I knew I was living deep in sin. But 1984, I came back to the Lord and I said, Lord, I will never be able to leave the time again that almost 20 years that I departed from you. But Lord, tell me what I should do now. And the verse, Isaiah 58, 1 came very clearly to me. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. 
and tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. When I heard that voice from God, I said, Lord, why me? I was a backslider. Everybody knew I was a gambler. Everybody knew I used to drink a lot. How can you use me to tell your people the transgression at the house of Jacob, their sin? But the Lord has his way. And it opened the door for me because when I came back to the Lord, everybody was surprised. How can TC, such a, such a gambler, such a drinker, such a man, that he will now be preaching? And everybody, all my acquaintances, want to find out. And they asked me to come and talk to them. And praise God for that reason, God opened the opportunity. Now, I'm now an itinerant preacher. I don't belong to any church. But I was saved under the AOG. To cut my testimony short, you know the AOG Pentecostal? They believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I never heard that term, speaking in tongues, in my life. I never seen anybody spoke in tongues. But yet, that particular day, well, I believe I have to give my testimony a short test so quickly as far as I could say. I didn't come to the Lord because I had my own God. My God was table tennis. And I played table tennis seven days a week, twice a day. Twice a day, seven days a week. And I was pretty good at it. When 1958, when I was only about 16 years old, I was a always schoolboy champion in my state. And I was aspiring to be the champion of the world. So that was my God. I gave nothing, I, give, I allowed nothing to interfere in my game of table tennis. So one day what happened to me was when I, when I was cycling back to the house, I saw my brothers and sisters, I mean I saw my brothers and friends who were doing high jump and I tried to show off. And I said, all right, let me do it. And I put the bar up to about my neck level and I jumped over the bar. And when I landed, I landed on my right hand, my playing hand. And there was a sharp pain and I knew my hand was broken because I saw there was a W in my right hand. Two depression on my wrist and a lump came out this way. I grabbed hold of my hand. I couldn't even ride my bicycle and I walked back to my house which was about 50 meters away. And there was an American missionary that came, that was actually living next door to me. She had always been inviting me to go to her place to, to listen to the gospel, but I just brushed her off. But anyway, when I first came to my house, the first person I saw was my mother, and she was watering the plants. And I said, Mother, I broke my arm. And in being a Chinese lady, you know, she, instead of trying to help me and rush me to the hospital, she cursed me in Chinese. She said, I mean, I can't use the word Chinese, I can't use Chinese here, so I try to translate as, as much as I can in English. You cursed boy, what did you do to break your arm? And this lady, she could understand Chinese, this missionary, she came, she said, what's the matter, what's the matter? And my mother pointed a finger at me, then this cursed boy, he broke his, he was naughty, he broke his arm. And they said, no, no, don't worry, I'm taking him to hospital. And he called her husband out, and the car was waiting at the door, at the roadside there, and she put me in the, in the, in the driver's seat, uh, next to the driver. And I was saying, oh, please rush me to the hospital. And she said, come, I'm going to pray for you. And in my heart, I was saying, come on, lady, I'm, I'm in great pain. Forget about this blabbling prayer. Because I, don't be, I didn't ever believe in God. I don't care about prayer. I said, just rush me to the hospital. 
But of course, it was her car. Her husband just idling the car, and she prayed for me. I couldn't be bothered what she was saying. She mumbled something, and towards the end, in Jesus' name, Amen. And straight away, the pain stopped. I said, oh, that's strange. I thought, ah, I was saying to myself, after a while, the pain should go. It can't last forever. So anyway, I was rushed to the hospital. Again, cut the story short again. There was no doctor, blah, 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 and so on. But there was no pain for about four or five days. And so when I, and then they put me to, to, the, to anesthetist and uh, to GAA, put me to sleep, and I woke up, my hand was in plaster. So after one month, they took the plaster out. My hand was okay. But my table tennis career was gone. Because at that, time, at that time, I was aspiring to be chosen to represent the country in the Asian Games in Jakarta, 1960. So what happened was, when my arm was broken, I used an axe and I chopped up the, my back. I said, I, from now on, because my God was destroyed. My table tennis career was gone, because I couldn't play in my right hand again. So I just sat on, in my house there. Actually, I, was, I went into deep depression. I refused to see any friends. I lost my appetite. I just sat in the house looking at the four walls all the time. So one day, my younger brother said, okay. I came over to the house and said, now the lady, the American lady, that, uh, that pastor, he's taking a group of people to a youth camp. I was thinking, oh, a Christian camp. And it cost me only about $11 for one whole week, board and lodging, transport, everything paid for. That time in my thinking, I was in, going to camp, like a scout camp. I put out a tent, I would enjoy life, go a bit of fishing and things of that sort. So okay, I, I said, I, I go. You know? and, but the thing was, I didn't know it was a Christian camp. And to me also, I was thinking, this lady was nice to me. She took me to the hospital, I may as well support her and go to the camp. So that's what I did. I went to, the, to Penang. I know, I know that somewhere in, in Malaysia, where I was born. Went up to the campus in Penang, in a Chinese school. And what happened was, I got a shock of my life. About 200 over people from all over Singapore and Malaysia, they came to the camp. And it was a Christian camp where they were supposed to listen to preaching. But since I got myself involved, I had no choice. So the rule of the camp was, after dinner, we had dinner at 7 o'clock. After dinner, we would go straight to the school hall where we would have a, where you have to listen to the preaching. Reluctantly, after the, you know, the first day, I went, I went to the hall. And I sat right at the back of the hall. And nothing to do with, with, with all this preaching, with all this Christian preaching. I sat right at the back there. And there were altogether 24 of us that came from Ipoh. That was my hometown. We went to the camp. There were 24 of us. And I was left alone. I was looking at a hall, about 200 over people. And I was looking for my friends. None of them were available. Actually, they all sneak out. They were all non-Christians. They came so-called to the camp. They didn't want to come to the camp. They wanted to enjoy life, the Penang night life in Penang. So they sneak after dinner, they sneak out. And left me alone in the, with them. I mean, without, uh, they left me alone from that particular group. So I was sitting right at the back. And I remember this preacher, the guest speaker, the name was Paul Pippin. He was a preacher from Manila, and he was the guest speaker in the camp. So he was preaching, and I couldn't be bothered what he was saying. And all the while, I was just looking around for my friends to see whether my friends were somewhere around the, in the group or not. So what happened then, when he was preaching, now that was the first Pentecostal meeting I ever come across. There was not much noise. I saw people, some of them stood up, raised up their hands, tears rolling down their cheeks. Some of them knelt down next to a chair 
put their hands on the back of the chair. I could see tears rolling down the cheeks. I said, what kind of church is this? How can these people find God so real to them? Then I set my journey. Praise God, I said, if they can find this God so real to them, I must find this God. So that, partic- that night when the service was over, I went back to the, to the, to the class where, all, where the people from, the same, from my same town came. They all came back after about 11, 12 at night. I can't remember now. I said, hey, where did you guys go? Why did you attend the service? Oh, we went this way, that way, and we were having ice kacang. I know you, if you know something about ice kacang, you know what's ice kacang? Shave ice with beans and syrup and whatever it is. A delicacy for young people like us those days. We had the ice kacang. And uh, tomorrow night, we are going again. You want to come along? I said, no, because in my heart, I want to find this God. So the second night, again, this group from Ipoh, they came with me. They sneak out of the camp. But I sat on the third row on the left. That side. The third row from the left, from the front. And for the first time, I opened my eyes. I opened my ears. I opened my heart to the gospel. And this guy was preaching story about Jesus Christ. How he came to save sinners. No matter how filthy you are, how sinful you are, if you come to him, believe him, he will save us. I said, yeah, I was bad. Because those days when I was growing up, we had a lot of street gangs. And I used to muck around with them, you know. And we used to do a lot of dirty things. I mean, we didn't kill or murder, but we did a lot, lot of things that I wouldn't... If my grandchildren were doing it, I would smack them like anything. But anyway, we were doing all sorts of bad things. And I knew I was bad. I was very disobedient to my parents and so on. So I heard that gospel story and I said, If this Jesus, this God, can forgive my sins, I will come to this God. So I made up my mind. So, and the third day, again, I sat on the, about the same spot, the third row from the front. Now, this third day was something different now, because for two days in a row, the pastors of all the various churches had noticed that group from Ipoh, they disappeared. So what happened on the third day was, after dinner, they all, a few pastors stood at the gate of the, of the school where we, were, where we were having our camp. And again, these guys from Ipoh, they tried to sneak out again, but they were all caught. Now, 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 you've got to go back to the hall now. Go back to the hall and listen to the service. So they were all sitting at the back. I, I looked back from the back. I looked back, oh, all of them were sitting at the back. And I, the, per, same, the only person from that group sat at the third row from the left. So I was listening again to a similar gospel, again about how Jesus will forgive us and save us if we come to him. And I say to myself, I'm going out to accept Jesus. When you finish. So what happened after the service, the usual altar call. Now, I was a bit shy. I was, when I was young, I thought I was a sort of a macho sort of a guy, you know. To be a Christian, you become very sissy. Only sissy go, go to church. That was my, our thinking. And all my friends were sitting at the back, and I didn't want them to see me walking up and being laid hands on pray. So what I did was, the stage was a bit higher than here. There was, you know, there's a school, there's always a stage. And I went to the back of the stage. The curtain was drawn from one end to the other. And instead of coming to the front, where the pastors were all standing in front, talking to people, praying for people who want to receive Jesus Christ, who want to accept Jesus Christ as a personal saviour, I went to the back of the hall. Nobody could see me. 
I went behind the curtain, I went up the side steps there, went behind the curtain. So I was shielded from everybody because the curtain was drawn from one end to the other. And I could remember stacks of plastic chairs were all stacked up there. And I pulled up a chair, put it down, and I knelt down and I prayed. Nobody saw me because of the curtain. Now I couldn't remember exactly what I prayed. The first time I really prayed in my heart. And I know, of course, it was called to Jesus Christ. I didn't even know how to say in Jesus' name, Amen. I didn't, nobody taught me how to pray. I remember, I just earnestly, I can't remember exactly what in my mind. And that's it. I thought, that was the end of it. I said something in my heart, I said something. And then something wonderful happened. And I still remember 57 years ago, suddenly I felt a power from my head that radiates right down to every inch of my body. My fingers, my nose, my ears, my tongue, my lips, fill my body with that kind of power. And I wanted, and I knew God did something to me. And I didn't know what it was. I opened my mouth and I wanted to say, thank you God, thank you Jesus. And my tongue started to roll and I was speaking in another tongue. I didn't know what it was. My tongue was going on. This time, I didn't even pray. In, I didn't even speak in tongues. I literally, I was shouting in tongues. Tears, phlegm, saliva, everything were pouring out from me. And I could really be bothered. I was an awful sight, but I could really be bothered. I was at the back of the curtain. I was shouting and screaming in tongues. And I could hear the curtain being drawn. It's like, Neeh! and people going around me, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. They were all going around me, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Now, I didn't know exactly when I went behind the curtain. I didn't know when the service sort of finished and called for prayer and things of that sort. But I knew by the time I was totally exhausted, crying out in tongues. It was almost 2 in the morning, 2 a.m. in the morning. And I went back to my, to my place there. The lights were all out, were all out, dark. I switched on the light. Everybody, all the boys stood up, the 24 of them. What happened to you? What happened to you? And I just said one, one sentence. I met God. Amen. I said, I met God. And they didn't want to sleep anymore. I just, have, anybody has a Bible here? And that, that someone produced a Bible and the whole night I was just falling through my Bible. Now that started my journey. Praise God, I didn't know how, I didn't know why, under the circumstances. That started my Christian, century, my Christian walk. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I, was, I knew I was the first one for my family to be called out. And since then, I had a lot of persecution. I had lots of persecution. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, miracles happen because I was telling my children, for the first time, as I read the Acts of the Apostles, I knew the Holy Spirit, how it works. There were 24 of us that went to the camp that came from Ipoh. After one year, the church grew to 300 over people. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, now, I'm not putting a finger at anyone here, all right? We come to the church, my wife will bear testimony. She was there, I mean, later on, she was not a Christian, but and that's another story. I've got it, my relationship with her. We, come to the, we came to the church at least half an hour before the service start. And we don't stand around at the back there talking about the weather, talking about where we're going to eat, where are we going, and things of that sort. We all find our place, all kneeling down. We never sit right at the back. We always find the first few front rows there. We always, we always say the back are for backsliders. I'm not saying, no, no indication for those at the back now. Alright? 
But I, that was it. I was at the back of home, all backsliders. And we all sit at the front. All we gather the first few front rows. And we will kneel down and we pray for the service to start. And I tell you, brothers and sisters, for one whole year, every day, minimum of five new people will come to the church. The God was just giving us the fire and we were so, we were so filled of zeal and fire for God because of prayer. And after the service, we don't rush off. All right, which restaurant you're going? Why are we going to Pizza Hut? We're going to Kentucky? No. We just converge to all the newcomers, talk to them about God, you know, and we edify one another. And that was the story. And God gave us so much love. Now, how many times do you come to the service in a week? I don't know how many times do you have a service here or whatever it is. You know, I come to the church seven times a day. How? We had Sunday worship, and then we have Wednesday prayer service, and then we have Friday young people, and then we have the Chinese section. We have Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, and Saturday outreach. So all seven days we were involved in the church. We were so full of love for God, and God was so great to us. Literally, brothers and sisters, we were seeing so many miracles. Casting out demons, healing of the sick. I tell you, not the Benin stuff. I'm telling you, this real thing you see in your eyes, and God was so wonderful to us. We, all, I tell you, there's not enough time. I'm going to give the word of God. Anyway, now in my itinerary, what I'm going, going around now is that I see a lot of people they are playing church. They come to church, go through the motion, they sing a few songs and things of that sort, and think that is Christianity. No. Christianity is fellowship with God. Amen. The Bible says in His presence that, it, that is joy forevermore. Amen. And that is what it says. We, we stop playing church now. The world, the world is happening. Watchmen, watchmen, house the night. We just had a song about a watchman. And I tell you, sometimes I go to churches, the watchmen are all blind. They're dumb dogs. They don't see the problem that is coming up against us now in the world. And before, in Australia, I'm not Australian, I've been in Australia for 37 years now. Alright? And you know, the, the new recent, the yes vote, I knew that would happen. You know why, brothers and sisters? You look at the Bible now. You look at the scriptures. God will judge you. God, through the prophets, will tell this nation, I'm going to judge. I will judge Edom. I will judge so and so. But then, the next judgment, God will judge the world. The next judgment, God will just not judge an individual country, or either Assyria, Assyria or the Babylonians, it will be the world. And that's why even Australia, bit by bit, it's like the domino now. Every nation is going deeper and deeper into sin. And a cup of iniquity is full. Now Australia, we have freedom of, of worship now. I don't know in what time, but now... We have all this yes vote. And now Victoria voted for euthanasia and things of that sort. Now this is not what God's want. The cup of iniquity is also Australia will also be judged. And every nation will be toppling over. And that's when God will judge. So brothers and sisters, let's, not, let's stop playing church now. Let's stop being churchians. We have to be Christian. And what is Christian? Christ in us. Do you know brothers and sisters, as I go in my itinerary, itinerant preaching. A lot of people say, I've been, Christian. I've been in the church for so many years, I still don't really know, have the assurance that I'm safe or not. I believe in Jesus. I sing the song, oh, sometimes I've got touch, oh, God is good, God is real, I'm safe. I believe Jesus died for me. But there's no assurance of salvation. Turn to the scriptures, please. First John. The epistle of first, 
epistle of 1 John. Chapter 2, verse 3. Hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Brothers and sisters, if we, have a, do have, we want to have an assurance of salvation in your heart of heart, you must love his words. You must love his commandments. Bible says, if you love me, you keep my commandments. He that said, I know him, I have the salvation, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is in him. If in your heart, you don't desire to keep the word of God, nah, this is too tough. Ah, this for those days. Now it's different. We are liberal. We are set free now. We don't need all this. This is the modern times now. That's old-fashioned. Bible says forever His word is settled in heaven. Amen. Forever. Amen. God will never change. Yesterday, today the same. He will the same. And yesterday He will the same. So He will never change. Don't come and tell me, nah, God is old-fashioned. This is an old-fashioned church. Now, nah, in the drop of eternity, what are we? What are we? So brothers and sisters, keep his command. That heart must be there. I always say, Lord, let the words of your mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I come to this world. Now, I'm not going to point a finger at any one of you. I've never been to anyone home since I've been here. Okay? You know what? For the last more than 30 years, I don't have a TV in my house. What? PC, you don't have a TV in the house? How can you keep up with times? I don't care. I go out in the world, all these filthy things. You know, half-naked woman trying to sell, trying to advertise for cars, half-naked woman trying to sell, advertise for books, everything, sex, and so on and so forth. Now, why should I bring this inside my house? Why should I bring it inside my lounge room? You know, oh, TC, we just look at the news. We just look at sports. Look at documentary. Nah, I used to enjoy sports. I was a sportsman myself when I was young. But I don't want to see Shane Warren put up his fingers when the empire gave him a, a wrong decision or something of that sort. I, don't, I, don't, I know some of you enjoy Aussie footy or whatever you call it. You know? I don't want to see the figure. I don't want all these fights and things of that sort. I don't want to see all this nonsense. I can do away with it. And God did something very wonderful. I bought a TV. I had a TV in my house those days. And I couldn't bear the truth. And God tells me something. When I came back to the Lord, you know, I knew it was wrong. I'll be praying in my room there. Oh, it's 7 o'clock. Morning news. I shut my prayer. And I go to my room. And I go and watch the, the news. The news. That's wrong with the news. Listen to the news, that's all. Current events that is happening in the world. But interfere with my prayer. And any time when I'm... Having my dinner, ah, I know. Remember, Melbourne Cup being run now. I quickly stop my whatever I'm eating and watch it. See, that, that draw of the flesh it was still there. And I said, no, I, since I can't resist, I'm going to chuck it away. But I couldn't throw it away because it was quite new. You know, why should I chuck a brand new TV or what? And God did something, you know. And what happened was, every time I switch on the TV, you straight away go on full volume. And I manually, I can't do it. I tried to turn the knob, still go on full volume. I used the, the control, still go on full volume. So what I did, I just pulled it out from the current. That's the only thing I could stop the, the thing coming out. So eventually, I chucked it out. All right? So that's the thing. Now, as I say, the Bible says, abstain from all appearance of evil. 
My father-in-law, he died, unfortunately, not a Christian. He used to tell me, TC, you want to be rich? Go into industry, you know, go into what, you want, what, what sort of industry you're going to do? Sex, violence, and drugs. These are the three things. You get into these kind of things, you'll be rich. That's the world. That's the world. Get him, I mean, he was not a Christian, but he knows. He's a very worldly, wise, uh, wisely, worldly man. You know, you want to reach, you into sex, violence, and drugs. So that's what you was telling me. And the world is full of them. Now, brothers and sisters, I have a bit of a battle going on spiritually in my heart. Not all of you will know, but some of you know. My wife and I, we travel a lot. And we travel in style. We travel on a cruise ship. All right? And I'm hearing that kind of thing. My daughter, Zayla, said, used to tell me, I remember, she said, Daddy, you're indulging too much. But I look, I'm trying to, I'm, maybe I'm trying to justify it with the word of God. Bible says, in whatever it is, some of us, our table is full, you know, but it could become a snare to me, like Proverbs. What God intended for my welfare, it become a snare. It could be. But in a cruise ship, my wife knows, we had Bible study there, and every time I used to take opportunity to witness to people. So I try to justify that. But as I said, my wife and I, we are going, we are well advanced in years. My wife married me when she was only 19, and she has always sacrificed herself for the family. And it's about time, we're all getting old now. What the song says, man's life, three score and ten. And by strength, you live to four score, it's all labor and sorrow. Uh, Robert, labor and sorrow now? I'm 75, I'm going downhill now. You know, three score and ten, seventy. If by strength you do four score, it's all labor and sorrow. So I said to myself, well, I'm coming to that time now. My wife and I will enjoy ourselves. And that's the thing. But I take the opportunity, every time we go on a cruise ship, we witness, we have Bible study. And I help a lot of people there. And they breakfast, lunch, dinner, they come to me, they want to, ex- want to know more about the Bible, I explain to them and so on and so forth. So that's my justification. I know. But I can tell you with all honesty in my heart. I'm not saying I'm filthy rich, but God has blessed me financially. I can go on a cruise ship at a drop of a pin. I just get my passport ready. But if God calls me, TC, stop it! And I will stop it. Because life in this world is not what I can get out of this. This world will go. You know the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. All these things, all the things of this world will become fading and we will fade away. Because I will set my eyes on focus on Jesus Christ. Anything, even a luxurious cruise ship and I go and I don't have, I don't have to do anything, if God asks me to stop, I will stop. That I can say with all sincerity to my heart. But I don't know, please God, maybe. I'm not trying to sort of put anything between me and God. Maybe I come here when I say this, now, my wife knows, this is the first time publicly I'm saying to people here that if God asks me to stop, I will stop. There are a lot of Christians telling me, TC, I think you should stop. You have seen the world enough already. You know you went around the world five times already on a cruise ship, you know. And you're going to be this, going to be there, to be so many countries and so on and so forth. It's about time you should stop. I was saying, well, I'm not using the church money. I'm not, this is my own money. But I know 
It's God's blessing. Everything that I have comes from God. Everything that I have comes from God. You know, when I give my offering, you know, or whatever it is, I thank God, you know. I say, God, you're keeping, letting me keep the balance, you know, which is much more than what I put inside the offering bag. What I have, my family, my wife, my kids, my grandchildren, all comes from God. If God wants to, you know. And I always remember the words that say, life is not in the abundance of things you produce. It's not in the abundance of things you have. It's not in the possession you have. We don't count that as life. We will go. I'm always telling I was born here. I probably come up to here already. I'm 75 years old now. I do not know. I will topple over eternity to be either with Christ and so on. Hope to be with Christ. My desire to be with Christ. I'm up here now. Do you know the parable of the unjust steward when he was caught? When he was caught uh, sort of cheating his master? And he was saying, now, if I go to beg, I'm too ashamed to beg. Now, what am I going to do? So he said, all right. He goes to his master's letter. Sir, how much you owe to my master? Or oh, a uh, uh, thousand bushels of wheat? Okay, mark 500. You remember that parable? Yes. Jesus says. And yet, what did, Jesus, what did the Bible say? What did the Bible say? The children of the world are wiser than the children of light. How can that be? That is what stated in the Bible. You see, what it means is, people in the world, they plan for the future. But what are we doing as children of light? Are we planning for, the, for eternity? Well, eternity, the people of the world, they only plan for this world and that is only last a lifetime. I always tell people, you know, when I, when I witness to people, I love to go witnessing. And you, you know what they say? And I always tell them, you know, I say the most... The most important decision you ever make in your life is a decision for God. Amen. The most important decision you can make this I can make my decision to migrate to Australia. I made my decision to study this particular subject. I made this decision to have so many children or whatever it is. But the most important decision is to make a decision for God. You know why? Whatever decision you make, I could marry a wrong woman, it only last for this lifetime. I made a decision to migrate to Australia, it only lasts for this lifetime. I made a decision to go do this business only lasts for this, many, this number of years. But the wrong decision I made for God lasts for eternity. Not a hundred years, not one thousand years, not ten thousand years, not even a million years, but for eternity. Brothers and sisters, don't make the wrong decision when it comes to God. Don't make the wrong decision. And one of the saddest, one of the sad, whenever I read today, I always brought tears to my eyes. You remember that Jesus gave the discourse on the bread of life in chapter 6 of John when he says, I am the bread of life. Towards the end of it, let's turn to it. John chapter 6. Verse 66. From that time, from that time, many of the disciples went back and walked no more with him. Many of the disciples went back and no more walking with God anymore. That made me very sad. They were disciples of Christ. Not the original twelve, but other disciples as well. They followed Christ. I don't know for how long. 
Now, how did they follow Christ? I wouldn't know because of miracles he done or maybe some of the teaching and so on and so forth. And after what Jesus did was preaching on his flesh, you have to eat his flesh and drink of his blood. Now, very interesting. You read here, here, 53. Now, we, 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 we had a ritual here. We have a, a holy communion every week. And here Jesus says, 53, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. No life in you. Eat his flesh and drink. If you don't eat his flesh and drink his flesh, you have no life. Now, these are very serious words, you know. And Jesus said, verily, verily, truly, truly, you know. Whenever Jesus said, verily, verily, you better verily, verily, verily pay attention to that. Verily, very unless you're born again, you know, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. So when Jesus says, verily, verily, you better pay attention. He said, unless you eat his flesh and drink his blood. Now the people were stunned. You know, they were Jews. They have what we call clean and unclean food and they have to not to uh, eat certain flesh of certain fishes or certain flesh of animals. Now this Jesus come and eat my flesh. And you know, they can't eat blood. Anybody, even they kill a lamb, those uh, those. Those animals that they are allowed to eat, they are going to drain all the blood away. How can this Jesus telling me to eat his, drink his blood as well? Because they don't understand. Now sometimes I wonder, when I was a young Christian, now why did Jesus make it so difficult? Well, I know there's a spiritual meaning behind it. And I'll tell you the spiritual meaning afterwards. Why did Jesus make it so difficult? And let people wonder, eat his flesh and drink his blood. Why doesn't he make it simpler? You see, the thing is, God wants us, when we come to Him, to be serious with Him. We don't just come, you know, oh, I come to the church because it's a nice place. Every time there's tea and coffee served, we have good company. I know, Christian fellowship is always very pleasant. No dirty jokes and so on and so forth. You know, very nice company. Now, if we come to the church for that reason, that is wrong. We come to the church to eat His flesh and drink His blood. And what is that? What did John say? The word became flesh. That's what Jesus means. When you eat my flesh, the word. When a partake, people sometimes ask, you know, TC, you have been a Christian for so long. How, how do you overcome sin? How do you resist all these things? It is not an ability or all things. It is partaking of Jesus that is important. It is partaking. It is not imitating or... or so and so, this pastor is a great speaker. I want to follow him. No, it's not imitating him. Unless you partake of Christ, of the Holy Spirit in you. So the word of God you eat becomes flesh of your flesh and bone of your bone. Becomes in heaven in you, part of you, the word of God. Then you can follow the same thing as in first John or in second John. His commandment becomes not burdensome anymore. People say, how can... I love my enemies. How can I do this? How can I walk the extra mile? Someone slap my right. How can I offer my left? In the flesh, it's just impossible. So hard to be a Christian. Of course it is hard. If you don't eat this fruit. If you don't eat this flesh. If the word of God is not part of you. The idiot become the word of God, become part of you. Inherent in you. That's why always in my word, I always go around, Lord, let the words of, your mouth, of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Anything that comes, I cut it off straight away. I try to have the mind of Christ. Think of whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever is just, whatever that is pure. So whatever is a virtue, whether we have true report. I think of these kind of things. 
When you think of other things, so cut it off. The spirit of prophet subjects to the prophet. You can do that. And bring his blood. What does it signify? What does the Bible says about blood? Blood, the life of the flesh. When you drink Jesus' blood, you are drinking his life. Partaking of his life. That's why Jesus died for us and he resurrected the important thing. Not only died for me, he resurrected for me. So that his life comes to me. I always tell Christians, now don't try to talk about fellowship with God, live a resurrected life with God. If you first don't die with him. How can you be resurrected if you don't die first? You tell me. So that's what the Bible says, I must die daily. I must be crucified daily. There is a flesh. I'm still the flesh. I still have all these unusual things. But they must die. If it comes up, kill it. Now crucifixion is not behaving. Chop and it's the flesh lost its life straight away. Crucifixion is a slow, agonizing death. I know that it is hard. So, but daily we got crucified it with the strength of the Holy Spirit. With the life of God that is in us. And that is important. So, brothers and sisters, don't think you can live a life of victory, life of prayer with the Bible promise. If you don't first die first, we must die first before we must, we can have the resurrected life. And hallelujah, I tell you, fellowship with God. Ah, Bible also says, fifty-six. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in him and I in him. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, then you are already dwelling in me. My favorite psalm, Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret places of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say, O oh my Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. And I eat his flesh and drink his blood. I know I'm dwelling in the presence of the very God. I can dwell with him. I'm dwelling in him. And that's to give me the great assurance of his presence. Give me the great assurance that whatever comes, a thousand may fall by my side, ten thousand under my right hand, but it shall not come near me. Only with my eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. I will see all those who voted for yes, all those pastors and priests to the congregation. You must vote yes. You must vote yes. I will see their reward. God will come and judge. God will judge. Brothers and sisters, let's eat his flesh. Let the word be part of us. Let his life, let people see. When I talk, you know, sometimes I say, my wife knows, you know, I've retired, I've lots of time in my life. I don't do anything else, but I read my Bible and I pray along. And I read my Bible. And God speaks to me, TC, it's not memorizing the Bible that's important. It's not knowing the word that is important. It's not even preaching the word that is important. But it's obeying my word. Walking by word, that is important. I must be a sermon. People see, oh, teaching, teaching, you're preaching holiness, godliness. People must see holiness and godliness in me. They don't want to hear a sermon one now. I don't want to hear a sermon. I want to see a sermon. That is what is important. We all go. We don't talk the talk now. We've got to walk the walk. We have to be serious with God now. We go along witnessing. Oh, Jesus is great. He's good. He's our Savior. We all know that. But what is important? People want to see the life that is in you. I witness a lot of people and it hurts my heart when they come and tell me, TC, I'm more Christian than you Christian. 
They get the comment. I'm more Christian than you Christian because they see in the church Christian abusing one another, losing the temper, bad spirit, whatever things that is. What is the total difference? You call yourself Christian, but you're, doing, you're sometimes you're even worse than it. You know, there was one in a cruise ship, actually it was a cruise ship when we were having a Bible, Bible study. We come from different, used to come from different denominations. And you know what Christians were telling the other Christian because he was expounding his theory? Shut up! They've said enough, come on, shut up, shut up, run and listen to you. What kind of Bible study is that? And they're supposed to be Christian. I walked away, I told my wife, I'm not going to attend the Bible study anymore. You know, I've been to secular meetings. Meetings with heads of department, all people, in the, none of them are Christian. And yet the meeting is conducted in a more decent manner than so-called Christian meeting, which saddens my heart. You know, so, and that's what Romans says. You Jews, you claim to know the law, but people blaspheme the name of God because of you. You claim to love Jesus, but what are you to walk? What do you do? People see that it's important. So, brothers and sisters, the Bible says we have fellowship, and now we are coming to very perilous time. I know 57 years ago when I first came to the Lord, people were talking about the return of Jesus Christ. And it's now 57 years, I'm still looking up. But I now see all these things. It doesn't bother me anymore. Bible tells me, Jesus tells me, rejoice! For your redemption draws nigh. When you see all these things happen, this place will go. God will judge, it was destroyed by fire. That's for sure. But Second Peter says, but the elements will melt with fervent heat. Then we are going to have a, a nuclear holocaust, that's for sure, a nuclear war. But the Bible tells me that. Where the elements will be fire, where the elements will melt with fervent heat. So God is going to judge the world with fire. But to me, when I see all these things, when, when, when Trump was uh, threatening North Korea and all these things, you know, we think, oh, the, come, the world is coming to the end. Hallelujah! Let it come. Because I'm in God's hand. I am in God's hand. That is the most important. And brothers and sisters, we must have that assurance. We must have that confidence. And I tell you, the Bible says, all the first John said, let no one teach you, ah, oh, you are saved. You have already said a sinner's prayer, you are saved. No. That assurance must come from within. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. You will know that you will know that you are saved. And in your heart, you love to follow God. You love God. You love Jesus and you love His word. Then you know you are saved. No one needs to tell you. You know, that assurance is from fellowship with God. Yes, the Bible, we stumble all the time. And the Bible tells me, when I stumble, I'm, I'm okay. Whoever lives to make intercession for me. He knows I'm flesh. He knows I'm weak. But I know for my part that I can always say, God, please forgive me, I fail again. But in closing, in my thing is funny. You know, sometimes in our weakness, Simple thing, you know. There have been a, there are a couple of occasions. I did it once, and I thought, well, it won't happen again. My wife, you know, in Darwin, I used to do a lot of, I did the shopping, I do the shopping. And when I finished my shopping, I walked to the checkout counter there, and the checkout girl was very nasty to me. Very rude and things of that sort. You know, I can't remember what it was. And he overpaid me 20 cents. 20 miserable cents. And I didn't tell her out of pocket, put it in my pocket. Let her come from her pocket. And I tell her, I suffered for the next few days. 
Just because of 20 cents, I was dishonestly keeping it in my pocket. I could have said, oh, no, 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 lady, lady, you overpaid me 20 cents. You know, but I kept quiet because she was very rude to me. Okay, cut it. 20 cents, I said, come over. And I tell you, I was miserable for days and days and days. Miserable just because of 20 cents, you know. So, okay, praise God. I tell you, that I know the Holy Spirit working in me, conscience in me. And brothers and sisters, if our conscience is seared, you know, if we commit certain sins and we think it's nothing wrong, everybody's doing it, be very careful. Be very, very careful. Go down on your knees and pray. Ask God for forgiveness. If our conscience is seared in such a way that we cheat and become dishonest, we commit adultery and all these things without any, without any conscience pricking at all here, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to say I'm going to doubt your salvation. If you spontaneously anger, no forgiveness in the heart, be very careful with that kind of spirit. Don't let your conscience see it. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this time again. Father, we thank you, Lord, that your words, Lord, let them prick the hearts of people who need it, O oh God. And for me too, let it reprove and correct me, Lord, that from every day, Lord, we decided, we will decide to walk close to thee, to be intimate with you, to have fellowship with you. And bless us, Lord, Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Amen.